Hey, it's Jordan. I am delighted to be joined by Bill Binney, who, I mean, the bio is, <laughs> you have so much in it, but uh, here's the highlights. Former uh, high-level NSA intelligence official uh, who, after you retired, uh, 30 years in the agency, you blew a major whistle on NSA surveillance. Uh, you've been outspoken in your criticism of the NSA during uh, President Bush's administration, uh, which made you uh, a target and a subject of an FBI investigation uh, that included a raid on your home in, in 2007. And uh, even before Edward Snowden's revelations, you were uh, blowing the whistle on uh, surveillance and things like that. And also, uh, you developed uh, a program that uh, really could have stopped 9-11, uh, and you've been able to predict many terrorist attacks through thin thread, thin thread uh, which we'll talk about. So I wanted to, I wanted to start um, with Julian Assange, actually, if that's okay with you. Um, sure. You know, recent news has him being moved, actually, uh, in the UK prison to the hospital wing. Uh, reportedly, he's in this different adjectives being used. Grave uh, condition, has lost a lot of weight. Uh, his lawyer can't even have a conversation with him. Um, other journalists, uh, a journalist, Cassandra Fairbanks, who met with him in March, said that that was not the condition. He was lively and coherent. So... There's questions about what has happened since. Uh, in your view, obviously, we had one indictment and then 17 rapid fire. What do you think is the most, uh, the most gaping hole and uh, problem with this indictment? Obviously, the press freedom aspect. But it seems like they're indicting him for basically doing what's been done for the last 40, 50 years in America. Well, yeah, they're indicting him for basically what uh, re reporters and journalists do. <laughs> I mean, solicit information from sources. I mean, that's kind of been standard for uh, all media, press interviews and so on. I mean, I was interviewed any number of times that people tried to solicit as much as they could from me, uh, you know, it, in, including documentation and things of that nature. So uh, everything he did was consistent with what journalists do. Uh, the problem here is they, and the and the real issue is whether or not the governments we have are in fact going to suppress any kind of free speech, or any kind of uh, information sharing, or opinion sharing, uh, within the public. I mean that's the fundamentals of democracy, being able to be free to communicate and express your views, and and it's called the pursuit of happiness, and and you know. Life, liberty, and a pursuit of happiness, you know, that's all part of our uh, founding principles of human uh, uh, human uh, existence. I mean, that's the founding principles of our nation. And so what they're trying to do is shut that down and control the narrative. And that's fundamentally what's been going on. I mean, ever since, uh, I believe it was Gate, Gates, uh, uh, or uh, uh, one of our uh, d directors of central intelligence back in the Reagan days, uh, said that uh, <clears throat> uh, we have been uh, infiltrating the media for decades, and uh, you, you'll know that we've succeeded once 70% uh, of what is believed is false. Right. So what they're trying to do is control the narrative. That means they control the information of what people get to see. So that can control their thinking, you know, and, and basically direct their thinking down the path that they want that to happen. So... In other words, they want they want to control people 
And that's what I've that's basically what I've been arguing that this entire program has been all about is how you control your people. Right. And something that seems like such a uh, inconsistency and, and just hypocrisy. And I watched uh, the documentary where you were uh, featured, A Good American, which is amazing. You know, all these agencies, NSA, CIA, claim to be wanting to stop human atrocities on the United States. They want to stop terrorism and they want to stop human <laughs> atrocities uh, and, tra- uh, you know, loss of life uh, in the United States. But someone like Julian Assange exposes that, that being done by the United States in Iraq and the Middle East. And that's, you read the indictment, they say he has put the United States uh, um, security at risk and classified information at risk. Has he put the United States security at risk or the United States secrets at risk? Well, you see the things that, so no, I mean, they're exposing, he exposed the, the hypocrisy of all of this. I mean, the point is that what they are doing is putting us more at risk than uh, not doing it. You know, the bulk acquisition of data is making their their agencies and their analysts dysfunctional. So, I mean, that means we're all at risk because of that. I mean, they can't see the threat coming. They can't stop it. Therefore, so uh, the result is people die. You know, and that's been that's been. And then when they when when they have attacks like that, like take for example the Charlie Hebdo attack in Paris. Uh, <clears throat> when that happened, the the uh, the uh, French government said we need another thousand uh, analysts, another uh, billion euros, and more data. And they got all of that. And what happened later? You know, uh, uh, eight months I think it was later, there was another attack in Paris. So it a- actually didn't help. And the reason it didn't help is because it piles more data on their analysts to try to sift through to try to find what what the threat is. Uh, and so that's that's the that's the problem. So we're more vulnerable in that case. And the result, as a result of what they're doing, we're more vulnerable than we were before. So even before we could have stopped the attacks, 9-11 and so on, because all of these attacks have been done by people who've been known by these agencies of the intelligence agencies of the different countries or the, or the police. You know, they've all known them mm-hmm. and they didn't focus on them. So when you don't focus and you dump more data and make them go through more data, I mean, I estimated that there were about 20,000 analysts worldwide involved in this using uh, the Five Eyes and, and other nine countries that are involved in this bulk acquisition. They've, if you assemble the numbers of analysts, about 20,000 of them, say. Well, uh, then they're looking at 4 billion plus people. Well, you divide 20,000 into 4 billion, and you end up with 200,000 plus. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that means that each analyst has to, if, if they could possibly you know, divide out everything uniquely, each analyst would have to look at 200,000 plus people. Now, who could ever monitor that many people? No one. And that's why we're failing. And, uh, and one more question on Assange. Really, the whole indictment, the, the smoking gun they seem to be uh, trying to f- spin, mm. is he tried to help Chelsea Manning, quote, hack a password. Uh, it seems kind of light to me. It didn't seem like they provided any evidence. Maybe they have it. But Obama's DOJ had the same information and didn't charge Julian mm. Assange. Can you, re- can you reflect on this, trying to hack yeah. a password? Yeah, well, you see, that was uh, one of the things that I had I had trouble understanding how he was going to do that remotely. You know, you get on the telephone. Uh, Chelsea, try this. Oh, uh, that didn't work. Oh, try this. You know, how, how, how can you do that remotely? He could have passed him some kind of software that would do a mass attack on the password, in which case they should have that software and should produce it as evidence. But it doesn't seem to me that they have that right now. So so. Uh, 
you know, uh, I, I just think that whole thing was a facade, just a made up charge just to get him because it, it didn't it wouldn't have the death penalty with it. So they could ex- be extradited from the UK. Mm-hmm. So uh, so when they tried him like that, they get him over here. Then I thought they would charge him with all the espionage stuff, which does have a death penalty with it. OK, so I see that as the way to get him here first and then make the real charges. Right. So and that's fundamentally, I think, that we're starting to do now. Right. And I'd like to uh, pivot to Russia. Uh, obviously, the last day or two, it's like the, the, in my view, faux scandal that, you know, will never die. Now Mueller has finally spoken, which is uh, pushing impeachment proceedings. Obviously, uh, you know, I read the Mueller report. I think Trump did try to obstruct justice. But it <clears throat> seems like there's still this real fever and McCarthyism of Russia's attacking us, which, as you've pointed out on other shows, they, they've done nothing yep. that we're not actively doing right now to them and other countries. Um, what is your views on what Mueller had to say, impeachment calls, and really what I think is a distraction from the reason someone like Trump can, 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 be, can win an election? It's not because Russia helped. It's because people in the middle of the country and a lot uh, elsewhere are, are very angry and hopeless economically. Yeah, I, I think uh, that the, the problem with the Mueller report and the Rosenstein indictment is it's all based on lies. I mean, the fact they're, they're still lying about the saying that the uh, the DNC was hacked by the Russians and the Russians gave it to WikiLeaks. Well, we had some of our people and, and our group, the VIPs, the veteran intelligence professionals, look at the data that WikiLeaks posted on the DNC data. I mean, they actually posted the DNC data. So we went and looked at that and said, uh, gee, this data has all of it uh, from the DNC, from the late May material, the the DNC Hillary emails, all had a FAT file property of it. Now that FAT file foreign allocation table format is what a software program does when it reads it to a storage device like a thumb drive or a CD-ROM, and it rounds off the last modified time to the nearest even number so all of them had that property. So that said that that entire set of data was read to a thumb drive or a CD-ROM, then physically transported. Now this is what uh, Kim.com is saying, is what us Julian Assange basically was inferring. Others have been saying the same things, uh, you know, some of the illicit recordings, like for example, if Cy Hirsch said that, other people are saying there's an FBI report saying that that's the way it happened. And so all of that data, or, or at least positive information. Well, we've seen nothing positive from the government to assert differently. <clears throat> in fact, uh, <clears throat> the Mueller group didn't even want to talk to us in the VIPs who had the evidence, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> and could show them the evidence. They didn't even want to talk to us because they didn't want to hear it. It's contrary to their narrative. The did same you, is true with the did entire. You, did you? Did your group make an attempt uh, to try and talk to them? Well, we published all this data. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we put it in consortium news, and we we were on broadcasting on different programs that would accept us. I mean, the mainstream media wouldn't because they didn't want to hear it, because it simply denied the lies they've been telling the public for two and a half years. So, uh, <clears throat> but now I have the same statements in a sworn affidavit in the uh, Roger Stone case, it's a criminal case, and so I've got a statement in there saying this is the lie that they used to get the warrants to go after him, and that's true. So. I'm prepared to testify in federal court in open court uh, about this. And there's nothing they can do unless they unless they drop the case. I'm going to be in court. Mm -hmm. And to to refresh the viewers, you explain this elsewhere. But basically, you've pointed out 
it would be impossible to actually transfer this level of information over, uh, you know, over, uh, over uh, a continent uh, because of the, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to botch the explanation. No, go ahead. Yeah, that had to deal with the Goose for Two data. Okay. That was the, uh, <clears throat> the data that, uh, again, they said, they said uh, uh, the Russians were using Goose for Two that without, any, uh, without any proof. They made that assertion, okay, and that's what the foundation of Mueller thing is. D.C. Lakes and Gooser Two were the agents of the Russians. They were doing this all in the U.S. In fact, that's where the timestamping says that it all came from Central Time in the U.S. That at least that's what the timestamping is telling us. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, <clears throat> when you looked at that data, it was about 16 gigabits of data, and that, all that was being transferred, and I think in about 87 seconds. And the highest rate of transfer was. Uh, uh, 41.9 megabytes per second. It ranged from 19 megabytes per second to 41 megabytes per second. Um, now, so we asserted that couldn't go across the the web, you know, across the Atlantic to Europe and across Europe, even across the U.S. You can't get it there unless you have a, unless you own or lease an amount of line that from from your location to where you want it sent. If you have that kind of capacity leased from the service providers, then yeah, you've got that dedicated space. But if you don't, then you have to pass it into the network, and the network manages it. Well, that doesn't go at that rate. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and so we tried it from uh, Albania, Serbia, Netherlands, and the UK. We actually physically tried to transfer it and couldn't get there. And the only, the fastest rate we got, we were between two data centers, one in New Jersey and one in London, and that was like 12 megabytes per second, less than slightly less than one fourth the capacity necessary to send the the uh, highest rate data. So we basically had no had evidence to say, you know, uh, this would not go. And I said, and basically we said publicly, uh, if anybody thinks they have the, the method of doing it across the web that everybody access, including hackers, use that web. Uh, if anybody has a way of doing that, let us know and uh, tell us where it is and we'll help you tra- try and test it and see if it works. Mm-hmm. So far, we've had nobody take us up on that. So I'd like... I think it's important to have you on, and it's a disgrace that the media, corporate media, wouldn't have you on, because you got your early days. I remember you were in Turkey, uh, you know, as an intelligence officer looking for patterns of the old Soviet Union. So, you know, uh, the Soviet Union, now Russia, uh, probably better than most of the schmucks they have on TV. And what I see is you could talk about it more. Obviously, in the 60s, uh, 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, you had this really Cold War McCarthyite viewpoint that it seems like they're bringing back now. It was yes, kind of, are. yeah. And to me, it looks like kind of an attempt, obviously in the media for ratings and, and revenue, but in the government, uh, what, what is your view of, of why they are so intent to stoke fear on Russia? Because I look at China and other places as an actual threat to the United States. Yes, yeah. Uh, well, that's because the... Uh the, you know, a lot of the public in the U.S. has been conditioned to, to fear the Russians because they're the big bad guys, you know, <clears throat> and this is the way you stroke a, a new Cold War. So you get you get the, if you get the public to buy into we're having a Cold War, we can embezzle trillions of dollars from you and, and bring it into the I mean, now we're talking trillions here now, years and years of look at all this money we spend in the, in the Cold War. I mean, that must have been you know, 50 trillion or something like that over the years. So, you know, it's a matter of, uh, I call that a swindle. They're trying to swindle us. So they're trying to use the, the, 
the preconditioned fear that was instilled in the Cold War as a way of, of um, stimulating the fear again and creating a new Cold War so they can embezzle more money from us. Mm -hmm. and uh, that's fundamentally their plan. And you look at uh, John Bolton now, who reportedly, you know, Trump's just suddenly realizing, oh, John Bolton loves war. But yeah. we're, we're hearing, uh, I don't have any, there's no evidence being provided that Iran's yeah. attacking, uh, you know, tankers, uh, Saudi tankers. And, you know, they're, they're, the threat of Iran attacking us is growing and growing and growing. And it seems to me to be very uh, deja vu uh, 2002. Uh, yeah, weapons of mass destruction, too. Right. Um, and, you know, Trump's administration has as many warmongers as W. Bush's. Absolutely. Uh, what, what should we know, uh, you know, in, in your expertise? You're, are you seeing kind of the tea leaves and the patterns of the buildup to previous wars? Of course. Yeah. It's all emotionally driven. Like even the Vietnam War was created on a lie. That Tonkin Gulf affair, that Tonkin Gulf attack, the North Vietnamese was supposedly attacked one of our destroyers in the Tonkin Gulf. Uh, and, and that was what LBJ used as a method for going over and creating a war over there and killing maybe two million people over there and losing 60,000 of our own and a couple of hundred thousand wounded and maimed, you know. And he did that based on an attack that didn't happen. Even the captain of the destroyer was telling them they didn't happen, you know, but he still used that as a way of as a pretext to going to war. And the same was true with Bush with weapons of mass destruction. The same thing, the same thing, another lie. Use that lie to stoke fear and anger in the public and get them to back a war. So, you know, and I see the same thing here with the, you know, the, with the Russians trying to create a new Cold War so you can get more money. It just hasn't turned that hot yet. But what they're trying to do is use it in, in, in the, uh, the smaller countries so that we don't have to have a nuclear exchange. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the threat for a direct war with Russia is nuclear exchange. And that wipes us all out. And so... And also something I find interesting, I'd, I'd like to know what you think. <clears throat> all, these, all these countries like Iran that is a grave threat to us, we have a gazillion military uh, bases around there, but also we've destroyed their economy through our, through our sanctions. So we weaken these countries like Iran, uh, and then we say they're a grave threat. How is Iran a grave threat to us when their economy is in shambles, uh, from every uh, every expert that I've spoken to, they were complying with the uh, agreement set under the Obama administration. What is the grave threat? Well, I think it's down the line. They're, they're thinking ahead about five, ten years after the threat, after the agreement's over with, then they have the free reign to create nuclear weapons. So, and <clears throat> they figure they have the intent. So the intent plus future possibilities says that they're a threat. So it's all it's all created and manufactured threats. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, they don't have it. Even the Russians. I mean, look at the Russians. Their, their economy is one-tenth of what ours is. Right. And they spend like 60 to $70 billion on their military every year, and we spend 700 to $800 billion every year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, why is that considered? Why are we considered a, 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 them a great threat? Uh, you know, it, it's just uh, unreasonable thinking. I mean, it's just uh, cor corrupted thinking. I call them... We, we're, we're dealing here with the mentally impaired of the, our country. That's fundamentally it. People are being conditioned and becoming mentally impaired to think. That's the problem. Right. People have, are thinking for themselves and saying, I need to see proof of this before you take any action at all. 
But actually, when you say that, you know, there's been great journalists like Glenn Greenwald, Aaron Maté. I know you have said that uh, you're called a Russian puppet or, or, you know, you're a Trump supporter and these things. So it's almost like there's what you're talking about, which is this conditioning. And then there's this shaming towards people. You know, look at Amy Goodman in 2002. She was screaming out into a cave. Uh, yeah. No on Iraq, and, and she was painted as, uh, you know, you're with them. Uh, so yeah. I think that's part of it. I want to ask you also about um, Venezuela, because, I mean, at least in the past, coup attempts weren't so out in the open. I mean, Trump, yeah. they're not even hiding it. But, um, <clears throat> you know, the United States is supposed to pretend to be a democracy, but they're basically saying that this guy, uh, Juan Guaido, is the president, which would be the equivalent of Nancy Pelosi declaring, uh, you know, Donald Trump the not legitimate president and staging a coup. Um, Which he already is doing, yeah. Right, right. Uh, (laughs) Can you kind of talk about what's going on in Venezuela? Because honestly, uh, it it, it seems like a dangerous repeat of what we're seeing in Libya now with an open slave market and, you know, oh, we're going to we're going to topple Gaddafi and put someone in better. It's 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 a disaster in Libya. And uh, many people fear that for Venezuela. Yeah, so do I. I mean, the the point is that that's a uh, that's another manufactured issue, and I think I think uh, we need to start to learn that we aren't the only ones in the world that are wearing white hats, you know, or we we know what the rest of the world should be doing. That's another problem. I mean, we think we know what everybody else should do. Uh, we need to consider there are other cultures and other thinking processes, and as long as they don't threaten others outside their own countries, it's none of our business. We have no business being there. It's like we had no business, you know, doing regime change in Ukraine, right, which got the Russians upset. No, you know, surprise, surprise. You know, when uh, Hillary Clinton's uh, mainstream, or when she was a, a secretary of state, they were saying, Yats is our guy over there. He's the guy we need in as the president of the Ukraine. Well, I mean, that's regime change from the Ukraine from us. So, I mean, you know, we're actively doing this stuff. And we shouldn't be. I mean, if, if, the, if the Ukrainians wanted to elect a pro-Russian president, that's their right. We should let them have their rights as we have our rights and just leave them alone. Let them, we, we should stay out of that stuff is what I'm saying. And, and also from <laughs> the NSA uh, stand, <clears throat> you know, Venezuela sir, suddenly has an electrical outlet uh, outage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, just uh, electricity disappears. And, you know, the media just kind of made it seem like, oh, see, they're socialist. And, you know, they, they're so poor and they can't even keep the electricity on. Do you think the United States had a role in that? Well, I mean, it's certainly possible. If not the U.S., then some other allied country, you know, somebody who had uh, some vested interest in, uh, well, <clears throat> I mean, for example, if you take the Vault 7 material that was uh, published by WikiLeaks, in there is a, from CIA, that in there is a routine uh, called the Marble Framework that allows them to go in to a, and attack a country and leave telltale traces that uh, they didn't do it, the, you know, somebody else did it, like the Russians or the Chinese, North Koreans, the Iranians, or, you know, other Arabic countries. So... Uh, that tells you the the capabilities there of going in and and doing things. And I wanted to comment earlier on when you mentioned my background in Russia, my ability, my, what I what I one of the main things that made the Russians weak is they are so disciplined and so structured and so organized and so uh, straight down. They don't they don't tend not to make mistakes. So <clears throat> if you looked at some of the material 
on the hacks that the CrowdStrike people are talking about, saying, oh, yeah, here's the name of this Russian who, you know, started the KGB, and here's some Cyrillic left behind, and, you know, here's all these mistakes, and so therefore the Russians did it. Well, you know, that's just absolute sloppy work. That is not characteristic of what I know Russians to do. Mm-hmm. And, also, right? and also... I just wanted to say that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's important. And also... <laughs> It's never, it's not pointed out enough. And now that we have this new trinket about the Mueller report didn't pick up any of what you, you and your group found. Well, the DNC, no, we don't want the FBI to look. They don't, they don't allow the FBI to look at their servers. Yeah, the, uh, Mueller, uh, by reporting out there, never even tried to speak with WikiLeaks or Julian Assange. And he never tried uh, to look at uh, your data on basic nope. showing. So it seems like it's one of those cases you can't find what you're not looking for. Well, also, you, you don't want anything goes contrary to the narrative you want to create. Correct. And that's what this guy wants to do. He wanted to create that. Mueller wanted to create this atmosphere. That's exactly what he did, including his last statements in, in his exit there. Right. He st- again asserted the Russians did it. And, he, and you know, he knows he knows they did not. Right. And I'd, I'd like to ask you about um, intelligence gathering when, when it comes to uh, <clears throat> America's corporate ties, because <clears throat> We care so much about Venezuela, for example, and the, cri- the humanitarian crisis that, that John Bolton and Mike Pompeo suddenly care about. But we don't care as much about what's going on in Colombia, where it has the most political assassinations on the planet, uh, brutal dictator, a um, lot of mining going on there that we could we could right yeah. that we could get those resources. So we don't care about that, but we do care about the crisis in Venezuela as as an intelligence. I mean, your preeminent whistleblower and, and mind, do people in the intelligence community, uh, do they know these discrepancies and hypocrisies and just look the other way? Because it's like, hell yeah, America. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, <clears throat> they basically have, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, they're giving certain tasks to do. Mm-hmm. That's all under the, uh, 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 under the national SIGINT requirements. And so each uh, each different and it's broken down by departments inside the gov- inside the agency and NSA, and for example, and this happens in every agency. And then those tasks are given to those individual groups. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> but so their focus is on that and that specifically. So they kind of concentrate there and they they don't look around a great deal. So so they keep busy doing certain things. Yeah, right. Uh, moving to domestic matters, it seems like uh, the new exploding way of surveilling people and then selling it for profit is facial recognition. Uh, we've recently seen uh, San Francisco actually uh, just banned the use of facial recognition. But nationally, I mean, corporate surveillance is equal, if not more, than government surveillance. Uh, you have companies like Facebook, Microsoft, Amazon that are doing facial recognition without anyone knowing, no consent, and then selling that biometric data. I mean, I just read that Amazon is working with ICE now to do facial recognition uh, on immigrants. Uh, What do people need to know? Is this kind of the next frontier on on surveillance and then profiting off surveillance? Uh, Well, it's not the next one. It's the current one. Right. They're basically, yeah, uh, if you, the prison program basically laid, laid out the material from Edward Snowden, laid out the participation of those companies. They're basically, uh, they, they say they come in to give them, uh, to get requests for specific um, individuals when they have a warrant. You know, that's the upfront 702 program, which is a charade, by the way. 
that's 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 out there simply to make it look like they're they're obey, obey, obeying the law. In fact, in the background with the upstream program and the muscular program, the muscular one was where they unilaterally, the government, the NSA, unilaterally tapped the, the, the data lines between the data centers of Yahoo, Google, and the rest of them. And so that when they backed up all their data at the end of the day between data centers, right, they collected everything they had. Wow. So in the background, they had everything. So they didn't really need the 702 upfront program. But they did that to make it look like they were obeying the law. So that's the charade and the, and the lies and the and the cover up that's going on, for the, from the in the middle or in the, in the face of you the U.S. public they only see the 702 program, they don't look behind the screen. You know it's like the Wizard of Oz thing, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Look over here. You know, uh -huh. so you don't really know what's going on. You have an uninformed public because of that. So. Well, one thing, you know, I've covered a lot of protest movements. I was at Standing Rock in North Dakota covering the pipeline fight. I've been in uh, St. Louis and Ferguson at protests. One thing that I see this particularly dangerous uh, is towards people protesting and exercising yeah, yeah. their First yeah. Amendment because you could obviously use facial recognition to identify uh, protesters. And then, sure. you know, it's like a game of telephone. You, you connect that to the local authorities. And before you know it, people are arrested for, quote unquote, inciting riots because they're yeah. being facially recognized. Uh, what do people need to know? Because we're in a very progressive time. You have, you have protest movements for environmental issues, reproductive rights, um, fight for 15. Sure. Yeah, sure. I mean, one of the things that, uh, and this is what the government doesn't pay attention to either. There's a fundamental flaw or weakness in facial recognition, just like there is in any other uh, generalized recognition program that they try to create. And it is uh, basically boils down to a probability of match. So in other words, uh, they, they measure the distance between your eyes, the, the width of your nose, different dimensions of your face, and they try to match that with an algorithm. Now, that's okay if you do, uh, if you're working with a finite number of people, you know, something that, you know, you're, you're limited to, you have a limit around it. But when you're trying to recognize the face anywhere on the planet or, you know, going into that, you're looking at millions of people. And the probabilities are that you're going to have a lot of close matches in those millions of people just by the dimensions of the face. So that means you have a great, a high potential for creating false positives. So if you take action on false positives, like they did after the 9-11 attack, they put thousands of uh, Muslims in jail inside the United States because they had some two degree separation from the from a known bad guy, which again, you know, they didn't look at the, the connections to see if that was really, you know, reliable. Is this really true? They just took it and said, okay. And they tipped them all up to the FBI and the FBI went out and arrested them, put some of them in jail. And by the he, way, Robert Mueller was FBI director at the time. That's correct. That's correct. I mean, you know, he did I mean, a lot of number, a number of other nasty things happening by the FBI while he was in charge. So this guy is not a good guy. I mean, you know, he's uh, he's really got dirt all over him. So, but at any rate, uh, so that that's the one example. And the other, so the point is that when you don't, when you've got a program like that to match faces, that's going to be an a, approximation, an estimate of match. You know, it might cause what, what, which way you're looking at the at the which way the picture is taken, how much of an accurate match you can make that way, and so on. You know, so there's variables in there. So all I'm saying is it's not an that's not a an accurate not that's not an absolute science. It's an estimation. 
So, and people need to understand that, but, you know, in cases of the point, when, when they went through, when they went after the, uh, the, uh, basically the Tea Party for trying to get active using this data from NSA and stuff, that basically said, these are the people, you know, here, they're two degrees in, go after them, you know, slow roll them. Or if you're doing uh, new reporters or you're going after Jim Risen or Jim Rosen or the, or the Associated Press, you know, you, you just take them all in and, and, uh, and you, and you have, uh, programs running that aren't accurate, accurate uh, only are accurate to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way, and they don't they don't really understand that yet. And my my final question, uh, not asking for an endorsement, but you look mm-hmm. at the candidates right now. Um, really, the only two I hear about uh, are Tulsi Gabbard and Bernie Sanders, even mm-hmm. offering anything remotely different as far as you know regime change and endless war. Um, is anyone kind of speaking to the issues you care about, or do you think any of these candidates actually understand uh, the kind of manufactured uh, mm-hmm. military threat we, we are constantly under? Uh, you know, I don't think any of them do. Uh, they they really don't understand what's going on because they first of all they're not being told by the government, the Department of Government. This is what I told the Director Pompeo at the CIA when I went to visit him. I said your your agencies and uh, and NSA and the rest of them in the intelligence community are lying to you and the president. They're not telling you the truth. So they're manipulating you, is what basically I'm saying. Now, he had a few of his people there, and they never said anything either. <laughs> and he said, he said he found it hard to believe that that would be true, that Americans, that patriotic Americans here working for the government would, would be that way. And I said, well, you do not have to believe me. All you have to do is go read the DODIG report on the, uh, uh, on the complaint we made about NSA corruption, fraud, waste, and abuse, and you'll see how they lie not only within, within the agency of the NSA, but also to the, part, to the government, to the Congress, and also even to the inspector general and investigators they lied. So, I mean, the whole government is fundamentally, uh, when it comes to money especially, is nothing but lying to one another and, and changing, trying to, trying to portray themselves in a positive way so they get more money, you know. So they want to protect their empire, you know, keep everything the way it is at, at a minimum. You know, that's that's really the problem. So and it's still there. I mean, and you could see it with what they were talking. Look at Mueller. And I mean, look at all of them, what they're saying. Look at Clapper and and uh, Alexander when they're pre- testifying to Congress, they lay the lie to them. So, you know, the whole the whole country is operating on lies and there's very few who are telling the truth. And then those liars get passed off into CNN and MSNBC analysts. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Whereas people like you who actually are, in, yep. you know, have a, a special gift with your mind and obviously <laughs> integrity to, to blow the whistle, uh, you know, you're kind of persona non grata. So I'm glad uh, you took the time with us and uh, would love to keep in contact as things develop. Yeah. Thank sure. you. Thank you, Bill Thanks. Benny. Right. You're welcome. Hope you enjoyed that last video. Hop on over to statuscoup.com where you can sign up for our email list and become a member for as low as five to ten dollars a month. Membership is how we grow. That's statuscoup.com slash join. And remember, join our email list so we can grow the revolution with you.